Turn with me to Jeremiah 29 this evening, please. Jeremiah, the 29th chapter. I'm excited. I believe I have a word from the Lord. And I believe there are answers here for things that folk have struggled with, that people have had difficulties with. And I am confident that we'll hear from the Lord and receive from Him. In Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, Jeremiah 29 and uh, 11, the Lord said, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray to me, and I'll hearken to you, and you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Praise the Lord. Listen to the NIV on this one. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Verse 11, Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Does anybody in here believe that? Hmm? Does God have plans for you? What kind of plans are they? (laughs) Plans to prosper you. Plans of peace. Good plans. The New Living Translation says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. And in those days when you pray, I will listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly... You will find me, and I'll be found by you, says the Lord. My, my. It says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for wholeness. Don't you like that? Plans for wholeness, and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Somebody say, plans to prosper. Good plans, plans of peace, plans for wholeness. You believe that? You like the sound of that? What's God's plan for you? Does he have a plan for you? What is it? Well, we know among other things, it's peace, it's prosperity, it's good. It's wholeness. So if you had something broken and something missing, God's plan's wholeness. Isn't it? The complete English version says, I will bless you with a future filled with hope. A future of success, not of suffering. I'm reading the Bible, saints. I'll bless you with a future filled with hope, a future of success, not of suffering. Are we to accept this? 
Are we to embrace this? Because there are millions of church-going people that are now convinced that God's future for them is suffering. And so that they just need to uh, bear up the best they can and hope it's all over real soon. Now certainly there's an enemy in the world. Certainly there are challenges. But God's plan is not failure. Is not defeat. Is not to stay and live in the suffering. His plan is for us by the greater one inside us to overcome. And to succeed. To come through. And receive and prosper. And have peace. And to be made whole. And have victory. That is the plan of God. That is the plan of God. You know, uh, even among so-called word of faith people and faith people and charismatic folks, there's this mentality that's crept in. It's a subtle trick of the devil. I'm talking about people that I went to Bible school with, people that preach the word of faith the best they know it. And yet, they'll start telling you stories. And they'll say, oh man, the Lord dealt with us to start that building project. And I mean, all hell broke loose. You know, the Lord dealt with us to go on that mission trip. The Lord dealt with us to open up that school. The Lord dealt with us to start that church. And oh man, you know, I I knew it was coming. You go to obey God and man, half of hell will come against you. And what they're saying is, if you really step out to obey God and do his plan, you can expect suffering. You can expect To be attacked in your body. You can expect your finances to dry up. You can expect everybody to turn against you. You hear how quiet it is? (laughs) I want you to actually go to a verse. Hold your place right here. And go to Matthew. How about some mind renewal tonight? You know, just because a lot of preachers say something, that doesn't make it true. I'm going to say that again real slow. (laughs) Just because a lot of preachers say something, that doesn't make it true. Matthew 11 and 28. Jesus said, these are red letters. How many red letters trump everything? (laughs) I don't care what you think. If it's crosswise or red letters, you're out. Red letters stand. What Jesus say? Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll load you some more. <laughs> I'll load you till your belly is dragging the ground. And you faint and fall out from fatigue. And I'll kick you and say, get up, boy. There's work to be done. (laughs) Why am I saying that? Because there are many, many people, including ministers, that, you know, they're thinking, man, it's hard. Serving the Lord is just basically awful. It's, It's just the load's too heavy. I can't take it. It's too much to do. It's too much to handle. The load's too heavy. And have you ever heard of burning out? (laughs) 
Have you ever heard of burning out? What does that mean? What does that mean, burning out? People have collapses. They have breakdowns. From what? From what? From it just all being too much. It's awful quiet in this church. But red letters are right, aren't they? And what do the red letters say? What Jesus say? Come unto me, all ye that labor and somehow got loaded heavy, and I will relieve you. I will give you relief and rest. Oh, do you believe it? I'll not, he didn't say it'd make you load heavier. I will relieve you. I will give you rest. Come on, read the next verse. Read the next verse. Take my yoke upon you. He said, that's what I've done. I'm in the yoke. <laughs> I'm in the yoke and oh man. It's hard. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Learn of me. I'm meek and lowly of heart. And you shall find. You shall find that it is a hard road to hoe. You'll find that it's just nigh impossible. It is so hard. And that you go to obey God and all hell will break loose against you. And all your friends will turn against you and your dog will run off. And it's awful. You'll, your mind and body will break down, but we're just suffering for Jesus. It's the way it is. No, it's not the way it's supposed to be. It's a lie of the devil. I said it's a lie of the devil. It's a lie. It's a lie that millions have bought into. And they're allowing themselves to be oppressed. They're allowing themselves to have their joy and peace stolen away. They're allowing themselves to be so weak until they break, until they crack, and think they did it serving the Lord. And it's not true. I said it's not true. God is not mean. He's not a harsh, cruel taskmaster who will push you and demand of you and load you until you drop and then kick you and say, get up. That's a lie of the devil. Somebody say lie of the devil. Say it again. It's a lie of the devil. Tell me what serving the Lord is like. Keep re- Read that verse. Huh? What's the next verse say? My yoke, red letters, my yoke, Jesus is talking, my yoke is easy. Tell me what serving the Lord is like. What? Easy. Tell me what serving the Lord is like. Easy. Let me ask you folk over here. Tell me what serving the Lord is like. It's easy and his load is light. Light. And easy. That's serving the Lord. What's it like being in the ministry? Light and easy. (laughs) And if you don't think it's light and easy, you're not doing it right. Simple. I don't care who you are. I don't care what vein of ministry you're in. Jesus has to be right. His words have to be true. They are true. I'm going to go with him. And besides that, I'd rather experience light and easy myself. 
People get into trouble. Same reason. You know, other folk do. Same reason I got into trouble back some years ago. I uh, had the privilege of working in Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry for a number of years. And when they opened up their prayer and healing center, I was one of the first ones involved in that and was uh, heavily involved every day, multiple times a day in that for decades. And, um, you know, young, young, no experience but learning as quick as I can because these people have serious issues. And I remember the first time they asked me to speak, I thought, boy, they don't need me in there. I mean, these guys got serious problems. They don't need somebody novice like me practicing on them. But, you know, everybody's got to start sometime, somewhere. And um, it was the Lord's plan for me. But in pursuing it, I wanted to do the best I could do. And people are coming there, and it is life and death every day. Many of them been given up to die, called terminal, and some of them, their doctors said, I don't see how they're still alive. They should have been dead two weeks ago. And you know that whether they live or die physically depends on whether they get the word in them or not, whether they get faith in them or not. And I took the care of that. I study and study and pray and pray and fast and fast. And we had some healings. We had some miracles. And uh, I rejoiced, but then we lost some folks too. You know, some people went on to be with the Lord, and it bothered me. And thoughts came to me, and it was, you know, if I, maybe if I knew more, maybe if my faith was stronger, if I knew the Lord better, if I could yield to the Spirit better, we wouldn't have lost them. Let me ask you a question. If uh, 20 people or 200 people, are in a service lost among thousands. And one of them comes and gets saved, and 199 leave lost. Does the Bible say the angels weep over the 199 that left lost? Then why should we? See, people think they are spiritually responsible because they grieve for people that didn't get saved and didn't get healed. But it's actually spiritual pride. It's you taking on you what there's no way you could carry. It's you trying to act like you're something you're not. It took me a few years to find that out. As the months went by and the years went by, a couple of years, it got worse and worse with me. I know I became no fun for Phyllis to be around. I was too intense. The people that helped me, I mean, I pushed them night and day. They'd come in, we'd pray for two hours, and it'd be lunchtime. I said, no, just fast. And we pushed, and we pushed, and we prayed. And I studied till I'd fall off my chair. And I'm doing everything I knew to do. And did not realize that somewhere along the way, I lost my joy. Are y'all with me, friends? Didn't mean to. Didn't realize it because it happened gradually. But I'm just intense. Got to pray. Got to study. Got to believe God. Got to get this. Got to help these people. Tell me what red letters say. Light and easy. Now I've made it hard and heavy. 
Did the Lord make it hard and heavy on me? No. So I've gotten off and didn't realize how much I've gotten off because it happened gradually. Friend, pride is such a subtle thing. And spiritual pride's the worst. It's subtle. You know, there are all kinds of people in the church that are proud of how humble they are. <laughs> well, that just means you're proud. <laughs> you're not humble. But, you know, it's that way. And it got worse and worse and worse. And I'm more and more intense and more and more serious. And more and more pushing and more and more striving. And I mean well, but I'm off. How can you tell you're off? I said, how can you tell you're off? I didn't see it when I was in it, but looking back now, I can see exactly where I started getting off, where I began to be less joyful. The joy of the Lord is our strength. What are we without our joy? Weak. Oh, you may be hollering, you may be beating your fist, you may be quoting scriptures, but if there's no joy, you are weak. And you're just pushing in your own strength. And friend, you won't last long doing that. That's how people burn out, is pushing in their own strength. Friend, the grace of God is an empowering, enabling, lifting force. And the grace of, there are levels of grace, my friend, that we've not yet tapped into. I've touched some levels of greater grace at times than I've walked in in other times. There's grace of God that will absolutely lift you up and carry you. Oh! And when you are weak, that's when He is strong and His grace is sufficient. And when you're pushing, 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 and you can tell it's just in your own strength and you're fatigued out of your mind. and You just get to the place where you don't know whether you're coming or going. You need to stop, stop, stop and ask yourself, why is the grace and anointing not on me? And again and again, you realize he never told you to do this. Too many people are led by opportunities. And they're led by needs. A need is not a leading. An opportunity is not a leading. I know a friend of mine had a larger church outside the U.S. His church had grown and grown and grown and become quite large. And he's visiting for a time and he was just... (laughs) I could tell he's just out of gas. You might know what I mean by that. He just, he's going through the motions, but he's just spent. And he said, Brother Keith, would you pray for me? I'm kind of the place, I don't know what to do. I said, sure. So we knelt down and just prayed for an hour. and Prayed in the spirit. Something came up in my heart while we were praying. We got up and we sat down and started talking to him. I said, this came up in my heart and you check it and see what you think. I said, I think you ought to go back over every program you have, every department you have, everything you are doing, and ask yourself, when did the Lord tell me to do that? 
everything you're doing, when and where did the Lord tell me and direct me to do that? He said, that bears witness with me. I'm going to do it. And so he went back home and he called me uh, sometime after that, some months after that. He said, Keith, he said, I have eliminated half of what I was doing. He said, because the Lord didn't tell me to do all that stuff. He said, somebody in my church would have an idea and we want to do this. And so we'd start a group and we'd start a project. Well, then I got to oversee it and I got to take care of it. And then this is a great need in the community. So we'd start doing that. And he said, thing after thing, the Lord never told me to do all that. It was a need. It was an opportunity. It's quiet in this church. (laughs) See, if the Lord didn't tell you to do it, His grace is not going to be with you to do it. And you're going to be in your own strength. And you won't last long. You will wear out. You will be spent. You'll run out. Well, I was pushing in my own strength, pushing in my own strength, pushing in my own strength. How many of the scripture said, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Yeah, I've been to Bible school. I speak in tongues, you know, but I'm off. How can you tell I'm off in this situation? How could you tell if you're off? Help me out. How could you tell? Lack of joy. And I heard somebody say peace, and that's true too. They go together. Lack of joy and peace. And uh, one day I was praying, skipping lunch for the nth time and pushing and pressing and, and praying. And the Lord spoke to me sternly. Thank God somebody had been praying for me, I guess. And uh, I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but strong in me. I mean, I stopped when he spoke to Mark. He said, Keith, you are not the Savior. I thought, yeah, I knew that. I thought I knew that. He said, why are you acting like it? I thought, Lord, help me. I don't. What do you mean? He said, whether these people live or die, it's not all resting on your shoulders. When he said it, I realized I had been acting like it. You know, some people read from the prophet's writings where he said, if you don't tell them what I told you, tell them their blood will be on your hands. And you got some folks, bless their hearts, they can't go across town without trying to witness to everybody that they see. And it's not faith, it's fear. They're afraid somebody's blood will be on their hands. That's not what he said. He said, if you don't tell them what I told you to tell them. Are you listening? That's not making him responsible for whether they're saved or lost. It's making him responsible to do what he told him to do. And that's where I had crossed the line too. He said, son, you're not the healer. I thought, well, yeah, I thought I knew that. He said, but you're acting like it. You're taking the responsibility of whether they get healed or whether they don't on your little narrow shoulders. And he said, and you're not able to handle it. I thought, well, that's sure true. Look what it's doing to me. I'm worn. I've lost my joy. I've lost my peace. He said, son, all you are responsible for is to do what I tell you to do. And then once you've done that, you need to cast the care of the rest of it over on me and enjoy your salvation. Because if you're not enjoying your salvation, you're a poor witness. 
Why would anybody want to be like you? Why would young people looking at you want to go into the ministry? You're depressed. About to have a breakdown. Why would people be drawn to you? How many little children were drawn to Jesus and they enjoyed being around him? They flocked to him. Little children don't flock to people about to have a breakdown. <laughs> Do they? <laughs> that I don't have time to fool with you. I got to go pray. What a lot of people are calling prayer. They need to quit and go take a nap. Prayer is wonderful and good. I said what a lot of people are calling prayer. It's not faith. And so it's not pleasing to the Lord. The Lord spoke it to my heart. It rung through me. It helps me to this day. He said, son, you're not the healer. I said, thank you, Lord. I'm not the healer. He said, then quit trying to take responsibility for their healing. I said, you're right. He said, all you're responsible to do, you seek me, I'll give you utterance, I'll give you revelation, I'll give you what to teach and preach, I'll anoint you when you go to lay hands on them, and that's all you're responsible for. You give them what I give you, you minister with all the faith you have, and then you walk out of there, and you cast all your care on me, you get in your little motorcycle and blow some leaves off the road or something, and you enjoy your salvation in me. Are y'all with me or not? And how many know if you'll do that, you'll have longevity. You'll go year after year after decade after decade should the Lord tarry is coming, and you won't look like you're fried and worn out. You'll actually be renewed day by day. Come on, do you believe it? Because it's true. His yoke is easy, and His burden is light. And if you're not enjoying light and easy, then something's askew in your life. Something has gotten off somewhere. That's good news. (laughs) I said, that's really good news that you don't have to go through your life hard and heavy and that it never was the will of God. Isn't the devil a sneaky, sorry cuss? Isn't he? I'm not going to cry one tear for him when he gets what's coming to him. I'm just going to say the Lord is just frying He is a cruel, 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 lying, deceiving, thieving killer, isn't he? But he can't do anything to you unless you'll believe it, unless you believe his lies, unless you buy into it. And the thing is, he doesn't show up at your door in a red suit with a pitchfork. He's very subtle. He's very crafty. See, he had weaved that into my thinking and mentality little by little, day by day, month after month, and I didn't even see him coming. And here I am, lost my joy, intense, not enjoying serving God, tossing and turning. What if I'd have done this? What if I'd have done that? Maybe if I was this. You don't live in maybes and what ifs. Walk in the light you have. Do what you know to do. And then cast the care of the rest of it over on the Lord. Get it off of your little shoulders. And let your joy come up. Let your peace abide. And enjoy. 
Enjoy. Enjoy your salvation. Go back to uh, Jeremiah. Things are already happening. You know, some of the greatest miracles you can't see with your eyes. Thank God for healing miracles and things you can see. But some of the greatest miracles happen inside people's spirits. And they're not always evident even the same day. But God reaches down by the power of his word and the power of his spirit and something clicks and changes. And it sets your heart and mind on a different now altered course. And what happens as the days and weeks and months and years go by, you wind up becoming a completely different person with a completely different life and a completely different outcome. A good one. I said a good one. A good one. Why? We got the Bible right here. Jeremiah 29. Read that again. Read that again. Verse 11. Is that what it is? What does it say? What did the Lord say? I know the thoughts. I've been thinking towards you and about you. God been thinking about you? Yeah, you know, the psalmist said he's been mindful of us. And he'll bless us and increase us more and more in our children. What's he been thinking about? That goes right in line with this, doesn't it? What's he been thinking about when he thinks about you? How to make you more than you ever imagined. (laughs) How to give you more than you have thought of yet. How to use you and do more through you and with you and make you a bigger blessing than has crossed your mind yet. When God thinks about you, that's what he thinks. That's his thoughts about you. You. Does God ever think about you? Help me out. Does God ever think about you? When he's thinking about you, what does he think? He smiles and sees all that you can be and all that he can do through you. And it makes him happy because they're good thoughts. They're prosperous thoughts. They're thoughts of increase, thoughts of wholeness, thoughts of success. Let me read that to you again from these other translations. He said, plans for wholeness and not evil. I will bless you with a future filled with hope, a future of success, not of suffering. We don't need a crystal ball. To look into your future. We got the word of God. And the Lord knows the end from the beginning. And he's already seen his plan for you. You know what it is? Good. Prosperity. Wholeness. Success. And not suffering. And the challenge is not him being able to do it. It's easy for him to do it. You know what the challenge is? Getting us to believe it. Is that a challenge? Oh, what a challenge. Because the devil's at work too. And you know what he's always trying to paint in your mind? A different picture. A picture of failure. A picture of brokenness. A picture of disaster. 
Do you dread tomorrow? See, that's a little weak. Could you tell how weak that was? That's weak. Why? Because people have been struggling with fear of tomorrow. Why would you dread tomorrow? Dread of tomorrow is based on the assumption that it will be as bad or worse (laughs) than it is today or yesterday. And that's an assumption. And God has given you and I the power of life and death in our tongue. Are you with me? And the devil knows this. How many of the Lord has said this from the beginning? I set before you life or death, blessing, cursing. You choose. Choose life that both you and your seed may live. How do you choose life? How do you choose it? You choose it by choosing to think on his thoughts and believe his words and speak his words and do his words. In choosing that, you choose life. You choose a good future. You choose a future of prosperity and increase and wholeness and success. But the devil knows exactly how this works. And he knows if he can get you to choose to think on his thoughts and get you to speak his words and get you to act on his fears, even though God's got all this good plan for you, you'll never see it. He will take you down a road of despair and destruction and death. And he couldn't force you to go that way. He had to con you, didn't he? He had to deceive you. He had to feed you thoughts. And he'd do his best to keep you from knowing they're coming from him. To slip things in. To paint a picture of a dark tomorrow. I refuse to believe such a thing. I refuse to accept it. I've made up my mind that God's word is true. And the plans that God has for Keith are good and bright. Uh, And that by his grace, I can find them and do them. And that he is leading me and guiding me and ordering my steps. And my path is getting brighter and brighter every day. I have nothing to fear of tomorrow. I have nothing to dread. Because actually tomorrow is going to be better. Better than today and yesterday. Now, whenever you believe this, I will know it. I will know it by your face. And that's all right. This is Monday night. Just keep coming. Just keep coming because we're going to stay on this. We may have to pull you off the rafters before this is over with. 
Because God's word is true. And his plan for you is awesome. It's amazing. It's beyond what you've thought. And the first step to experiencing it is simply believing this. Don't underestimate this part tonight. If you'll just right where you sit right now, just say, I believe that. I believe that my future is bright. I believe my best days by far are in front of me and ahead of me. If you believe that, you're already headed that way. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is if you believe that, you're already headed that way. And if you keep believing that every day and every night, that's all God needs to keep directing you, working you, changing you, getting you there, setting things in motion so that you intercept them. That's all he needs. What's the danger? Getting quiet. Somber. It's been a hard year. My friends let me down. I've been doing my best. It just seems like I take one step forward, get knocked back too. It's been this way week after week. Well, let's just stop right here. How long you been feeling like this? How long you been thinking like this? How long you been talking about? See, which came first, chicken or the egg? People want to believe, well, no, I feel like this because stuff's so bad. Hmm, really? I can show you in the Word where it starts in your heart and mind first. Then it starts showing up at your doorstep. And the good news is, even if it's all falling apart out here, you can set it in motion the other way. (laughs) To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And this tongue is just like a steering wheel. It's just like a rudder on a ship. I don't care how big it is, how bad the storm is, how big the waves are. You can turn that big thing around. It may not just flip on a dime overnight. But all you got to do is get that tongue headed in the other direction. And even little by little and more by more, it will turn your life totally around and head you back into success and increase prosperity and wholeness success man I can see I can see in my mind's eye right now people that have been caught up in the hurricane and you thought oh this is awful it's awful no you have been letting yourself drift along with the storm Because right outside the storm, the sun's shining, and it's real nice, and a lot of us have been having fun. (laughs) This storm's been going on for five years. Not everywhere it ain't. (laughs) 
I mean, if you get caught in a storm and then you just drift with the storm and you stay in it. No, you better get a hold of your mouth. You better get a hold of your mind. You better get a hold of your spirit and what you believe. And even though it's cross-grained of what you've been feeling and doing, get that thing turned in the right direction and start talking victory. Somebody say, I'm coming out. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. My future is bright. 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 Glory to God. Now listen to these two. Today's English version of this Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, I alone know the plans I have for you. Plans to bring you prosperity and not disaster. Read the rest of it. Plans to bring about the future you hope for. Let me read another translation. The Good News translation says a very similar thing. He said plans to bring you prosperity and not disaster. Plans to what? Again, bring about the future you hope for. Now keep that in mind. Bring about what future? The future you are hoping for. Now I know among charismatics, word of faith people, they don't like that phrase. And hope has gotten a bad rap among faith people. But you know, it's really funny, laughable, because you don't know about faith if you don't know about hope. The two go hand in hand. But the three great eternal living forces, what are they? Now abides faith, hope, love. Is hope important? It is not to be looked at slightly. Well, you know what? You don't need hope. What you need is faith. If you've got faith, you've got hope. Hope is the result of the foundation of the faith. Somebody says, don't you mean, Brother Keith, that first you get your hope and then you get your faith? No. No. You're thinking about desire. People have said it because they've confused Bible hope with what we call hope in modern vernacular. Will you be healed right now? I sure hope so. People say, well, that's not faith. Well, it's not hope either. It's desire. If you say, will you be healed? I sure hope so. What does that mean? I sure want to be. I wish it would be. It's not hope. Has anybody looked up what hope is in the Bible? It is confident expectation. What are we talking about about the future? We're talking about expecting something good. That's the result of faith. Did I lose somebody? (laughs) Don't take my word for it. Go get out your concordance. Study it. Look at it. Go get in depth on it. Hebrews 11.1. Anybody know what it says? Now faith is what? The substance. Have you looked up that word for substance? It's not what some people think. It means foundation. It is the foundation. It is the basis That hope sits on. The foundation of things hoped for are expected. When you become persuaded of something in your heart. That has not yet happened in this realm. It puts you in a state of confident expectancy. If you're in faith. You're expecting. So that's future tense. I know it is. Faith deals with all tenses. 
past, present, and future. You believe you have received. Past tense. By stripes you were healed. Past tense. But if you don't see it and feel it yet, what are you expecting to happen? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What does hope mean? Have you looked it up? It means expectancy. Expectancy. And if you're in faith, you're expecting. You believe God heard your prayer. You believe it's bought and paid for in Jesus. You sowed your seed. You believe good seeds in the ground. And now you are expecting money to show up. You called your body healed. Hands were laid on you. You believed you received. And now what? Now what? You are expecting your body to change. So the faith is the receiving and the persuasion. And it gives you this expectation. Now in uh, Ephesians, the third chapter, look at this. Ephesians 3. Don't think I'm contradicting somebody else's teaching when I say that. That's not the case. It's a matter of how you define the word hope. In our modern vernacular, when people use the word hope, it does not mean the same thing as the Bible means when it says hope. And that's where the misunderstanding controversy comes in. When I'm talking about hope now or tomorrow night or whenever, do you know what kind of hope I'm talking about? I'm talking about Bible hope. Bible hope. Ephesians 3, Ephesians 3 and 20, anybody have any of these marked? Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, able to do has to do with future experience. He's already accomplished, bought and paid for in Christ, but when you're talking about what he's able to do, we're talking about something we're looking forward to. What is he able to do? Exceeding. Above. That's not just a little bit. That's way above. Way above what? Way above exceeding above if the Lord had said above it would have been above probably more than you thought if he said abundantly above that would have been way high above if he says exceeding abundantly above what does that mean out the atmosphere I mean in the other solar system I mean we're we're talking way way higher and beyond all That we ask or think, comma, comma. This he is able to do according to something that's going on in us. People have left this off, haven't they? They said God's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think. They put a period. Glory to God. No. He's able to do it connected to something. He's able to do it based on something. He's able to do it in proportion to something. This will remind you of 3 John 2. 
Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health. Hmm? Even as your soul. Some people say, well, that means soul prosperity is more important than the other. That's not what they're saying. It's saying you'll prosper materially and you'll be in health physically. And it's going to happen as your soul prospers. Healing and prosperity doesn't begin in your body and in your pocketbook. It begins inside you. And your future, your bright future doesn't begin out here. It begins in here. It begins in changes in your spirit, what you believe and how you're thinking and what you're saying and how you're seeing. And how is God able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think? According to the power that works in us. And you are in the right place this week to get the power working in you. And to get it cranked up and increased. Because the more power working in you. What does that translate to? What does that translate to? Him able to do. Exceeding abundantly. And then what if even more power is working in you. Then he's able to do a whole level of exceeding abundantly. Above that level. And he never runs out. The limiting thing is what's working in you. What is working in us. Now he had out this, you know, the first chapter leads up. This wasn't written in chapter and verse. It flows into the third chapter. Back up to the first chapter and get a uh, key of what kind of power he's talking about working in you. He prayed in chapter 1 and verse 17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. Does the hope of the calling, is it connected and joined to the riches of the inheritance? And is that part of the exceeding greatness of his power? Go with me to uh, Romans 15. The hope of his calling. What we're talking about now is the power of hope. The power of hope. Now, I know that sounds strange to died in the wool word of faith people. They've been taught to rebuke hope. But again, not really, not Bible hope. It's people calling desire hope. And it's some confusion there. But no, all you got to do is go back to this. When the Lord, by the Spirit, said through Paul, now abide these three. Out of all the things he could have said. What's mentioned with faith and love? What's in there right, right there with them? Must be important. So don't despise it. Don't make light of it. Don't make little of it. If you're going to. Come up to the next level. you got to embrace the power of hope. What is hope? Help me out. Confident expectancy. Expectation. Expecting. Now, if you're expecting something bad, how will it affect you? It'll make you sad. Right? Make you down. 
Make you scared. Talking about something hasn't happened yet. But you believe it's on the way. Hmm? Makes you hide. Not go out of the house. Cry. Feel sad. Can we tell what you're expecting by how you're acting? Yeah. What if you're expecting something good? (laughs) What if you're expecting something amazing? (laughs) Something life-changing, wonderful, glorious. Does that affect you? Does that affect you? Even if you hadn't been feeling too hot before that, you find out it's coming. Makes it hard to sleep. Why? Because you get get excited. Now, this is a word I want you to become very familiar with over the next few days. I said you get excited. You'll get excited. Excited. Why? Why are you excited? Because you are expecting something good. Now, if you had no reason in the world to expect this great thing to happen, except somebody told you that it was, wouldn't that be faith? You just believe what they told you and went ahead and got excited. With no physical evidence or assurances whatsoever. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. The Lord showed me this some, I don't know, what, 25 plus years ago, I guess. In healing school that I was talking about earlier. uh, He began to show me things. Because... I'm very young, and when you're young and inexperienced, you can allow people to intimidate you, that you suppose have more experience and more knowledge and understanding. And I'm young and in every way, and I'd minister to people that had been partners with Brother Hagen for 20 and 30 and 40 years at that time, and I'd, I'm there to minister to them. They've come because they're sick. And I said, you know, praise God, the Bible said, 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes, you were healed and and they'd look at me and say, yeah, Sonny, I know that. And uh, they'd quote two or three more, Isaiah 53 and Psalm 103. And, and they'd say, yeah, you know, I was uh, supporting Brother Hagin's ministry while your mama was changing your diaper. I thought, oh, what now? So I, then I'd look for some new verses that maybe they hadn't found. <laughs> maybe they didn't know. And um, surprise them, you know. And um, now they knew them too. And uh, but then after we get through reading the verses, they start crying about how hard it had been and uh, how bad their body hurt and how the doctor said it was no hope and, and hopeless. And and one afternoon the Lord showed me. He said, "Son, you do not need to find a new scripture. There's enough power in First Peter two twenty four to heal everybody on the planet." simultaneously you need to find a new verse he said but if somebody tells you their problems and you tell them what I said in my word about it and they're still depressed it shows they don't believe it if somebody's crying about 
not being able to pay their bills and not knowing what to do. And you tell them, Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And they just reach for another tissue and keep crying and tell you how bad it is. He said it proves they don't believe it. Because if they believed it, they'd quit being sad. And they'd begin to expect their needs to be met. Oh, come on, can you see this? So we got all kind of people that know scriptures and can quote scriptures, but that doesn't mean you believe them. We've got people that the devil has duped, even in the ministry, and they're not enjoying life. It's drudgery. And they dread. Now this is sad. Preachers who dread Sunday morning, because they dread going to the pulpit and preaching. Well, it's no wonder the congregation's not excited. <laughs> and you shouldn't expect to grow leaps and bounds when the pastor don't want to go to church. <laughs> now, if we paint your picture, don't get mad. Don't, don't scowl because then everybody will know it's you. They'll go, oh, look, look how mad he is, she is. No, look straight ahead and smile and go, glory to God. Amen, brother. Somebody needs to hear that. Nobody need know. It applies to you. I know I was teaching on praise, and they gave me a praise life class at Raymond one year, and I was preparing for it, and uh, I saw praise and worship is something the Lord will receive from us. But it's not just the noise or sounds or hitting the right notes that pleases him. He hears the heart, doesn't he? And I was looking at several aspects of it and studying the Psalms and and just preparing for it. And the Lord spoke sitting at my desk one day. He spoke to me in my heart. He said, said, son, talking about praise and worship. He said, if you're not enjoying it, don't assume I'm getting a lot out of it. (laughs) Well, think about it. What if somebody came up to you and they said, Oh, praise you. You're great. Oh, you're great. You're wonderful. Huh. No, wait. I want to do it some more. You're really, really wonderful. You're really great, really great, really great. You're great, 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 great. If you're not enjoying it, don't assume he's getting much out of it. <laughs> and that's true with our whole life is to be worship. How I many remember Romans 12 talks about present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It's your reasonable service. Uh, different translations say worship. Your life is to be worship. But see, it is unacceptable if you are acting like you're being mistreated. Having to serve God makes your service unacceptable. You could put $10 million in the offering, and if you don't want to do it, if you're unwilling to do it, even though you dropped the check, the Lord didn't accept it. The people might have accepted it, but He didn't accept it, because the condition of the heart of the giver is what makes the gift acceptable. And unwillingness will make it unacceptable. 
That's why God loves a cheerful. Why? Because that's a faith giver, isn't it? Why would money be going away from you and you be happy? (laughs) Huh? Why? If you just expected to be broker tomorrow than you were today, you wouldn't be rejoicing. But you must be expecting a reward and a harvest in this life and in the next. You must be expecting it will help them and make a difference with what they're doing and you'll have a part of it. Oh, friend, it starts and continues and ends with faith, doesn't it? It's faith in the morning, faith in the noontime, faith when the sun goes down, or otherwise it's not going to please the Lord. Well, faith expects. When you really get in faith, you quit being sad. You quit despairing. You quit being depressed. Faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. Doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. I'll say that again. Doubt does what? It despairs. Oh. Complains. Yakety, 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 yak. And is what? So pitiful and sad. Y'all pray for me. (laughs) Pitiful. Well, we can pray for you, but unless you decide to quit listening to the devil's lies and stop feeling sorry for yourself, you'll be in the same shape and worse the next time we see you. If you really believe that Jesus has already paid the price, he's already bought everything you'll ever need and it belongs to you and that you will overcome by faith and by grace and that you have a plan that is exceeding abundantly above anything you've ever thought or asked, you really begin to believe that, you begin to brighten up. No matter how bad it is right now, you say, hey, I'm coming out. I'm coming out. I don't care what. I don't care. This cannot be greater than the plan of God. This cannot. You know, think about Paul. On that ship, in that typhoon, that hurricane, I mean, they pitched for day after day until they threw out all the cargo of the ship, trying to stay alive, threw out the tackling of the ship. Now, that means it's serious, because you're going to need that to drive the boat. But right now, it's just staying on this side of the water is all that matters. They threw everything away, and after much abstinence, Paul came up out of the belly of that ship. He said, uh, cheer up. (laughs) They're green from puking their guts out for the last two weeks. I mean, they've thrown up till they can't throw up. They're hurting. They're heaving. They can't eat. They can't think. They can't sleep. Everybody thinks you're going to die within the next hour. And this has been going on for days. And here the preacher says, hey, everybody, cheer up. Come on, cheer up. That's a faith, man. I said, that's a faith. I mean, this thing is still pitching and it's rolling and a wave slapped you in the face. We said, what did he say? I said, I got water in my ear. He said, cheer up, cheer up. I'm barely holding on to 
going to this rope right here. Cheer up. He said, I want you to know the God I serve and the God whose I am has sent his angel this past night. Spoke to me. He told me, Paul, be a good cheer. That's why I'm telling you. Cheer up. Be a good cheer. Because you can't, I'm paraphrasing a little bit now. You're not going to die out here. You got to go to Rome and preach. I'm know when you get a word from the Lord, I don't care what it looks like. Now he knows no way I'm dying out here. I have already heard from the Lord. I already got a glimpse of the plan and it ain't drowning out here. So it doesn't matter what it looks like. I'm not dying out here because I got an appointment at Rome. And I got to be there. And it's a good plan. I got to stand there and preach to those heathen kings. He said, so guys, cheer up. Because we all going to make it out here. The Lord told me he's given me all that are sailing with me. You know, they should have been very, very glad he was on that boat. Cheer up in the middle of a hurricane after all these days and all this trauma. And yet they did. The Bible said they did. They fixed them a little bite to eat. I guess holding on to one thing, swinging around. Hand me another one then. I missed my mouth with that last bite. And they ate them something and they were of good cheer. And the boat is literally coming apart. In a few minutes or hours, they're in the water, bobbing up and down. But every one of them made it safely to land. Friend, you can do it. No matter how bad it is. No matter how hard it is, you can look up and say, wherefore, sirs, I believe God that it shall be. Is this future? Is this expecting something? It shall be even as it was told me. What does that mean? God's got a good plan for me. And it does not include dying out here. Oh, somebody needs to help me out. I can't die with this stinking disease because I got to do the plan of God. I can't. I won't. I cannot fail from this stupid depression and heaviness. I can't. I will not go down here. God's got a plan for me. And I believe God that it shall be. It shall be in my life just like what he told me. And what gives him a right to move heaven and earth if it takes it to make that happen in me? Simply me believing it. Now what else could he have done? Oh, that sounds good, but you know, it's just too late. There's no hope. I'm just too tired. It's just been too much. Too much done. Too much said. Isn't that what that first generation of Israelites, no matter how many times he told them, what'd they say? We can't. We can't. They're too big. It's too hard. It's too long. And we're just little grasshoppers. And they're great big giants. And they're just, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. The only reason there's no way is because you believe there's no way. And you say there's no way. Because after they wandered around out there and wasted their lives and died prematurely, the next generation went and faced the same giants and the same walls and proved it was not them keeping them out. They overcame them. God brought the walls down. God gave them victory. Nothing's too hard for him. 
They believed they were coming out, didn't they? You know, even among those, all that generation died out except for two old boys. You remember them? Caleb and Joshua. Bible said they had a different heart. They had a different spirit. They were looking at something different. And they're sitting around out there, sitting around that campfire for 40 years with this unbelieving, griping, complaining bunch. Don't you know that got old? And there's not too many people you could talk to, so I'm sure they'd find each other. <laughs> How many know you need faith buddies? You need, you need people that will talk victory with you. Especially when everything around you is terrible. Caleb would say, hey man, you know that big hill we got all those grapes off of? He said, yeah, now that's a hill, man. He said, that's my hill. That's Caleb's mountain. And I'm going to build a street there that says Caleb Street. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Joshua said, yeah, me too. You know that other place over there? He said, that place I went, he said, that's mine. Now, these guys are getting older. Decades are passing. Are you listening? And everybody they know, everybody they grew up with is dead or dying. And they're getting older now. They're not 30. They're not 40. They're not 50 years old. Are you listening to me? And many people would have lost hope. And after 40 years of bad, hard days... They would have assumed tomorrow is going to be the same or worse, but not these guys. I said, not these guys. What'd they do? Every day. Every day they're looking. They're saying, well, I'm glad we got these 39 years behind us. <laughs> I'm glad we got that done because it's got to be close. Got to be close. Caleb said, it's close. It's got to be close. They've been saying that for 40 years. Well, it was. It was getting closer every day. And how many know they were able to stand, hallelujah, when all the rest of them were gone? They said, give me this mountain. And they went and they took it and they lived in it and they experienced what the others did not. They saw the walls come down. They saw the victories. They shouted. They were there. Oh, friend, don't let the devil dupe you. Into feeling sorry for yourself and giving up and quitting and believing all oh, my best days are behind me and I'm, I'm old now and nobody really knows or really cares. A friend, there's a glorious future God has for you, but you will never see it talking like that. You will die and never get into it thinking like that. So it's a very good thing that you were here in Branson. And the power that's working in you got kindled and stirred and began to burn like a forest fire. And you begin to believe, I have a glorious future. Somebody help me. I have a glorious, come on now, think with me, think with me. God's plan, is it better or worse than what you've imagined? It's better by far. By far. How good is it? 
How good is it? Millions never follow and find and do the plan of God. Oh, but those that do. Those that do. And it's this simple. I know it sounds too simple, but all it is is you got to believe it. You got to believe it's there. And it's better than I've ever imagined. And believe it's so strong that even though you don't have a clue, you lay awake in your bed tonight going, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. My future is so amazing. And your head goes, what? You say, hush, you'll find out. Uh, Glory to God. My future, my future is amazing. My future is glorious. We're going to see more of the power of God than we've ever seen before. We're going to understand more of the things of God. We're going to experience more of the glory of God. We're going to see more people saved and come back to God and get healed and get delivered and get filled. We're going to come up to levels of prosperity we didn't even think possible. And we'll be able to do whole projects. They used to take 20 years. We'll do it in a day. We'll just do it in a day. Because the time is short. Don't you want to be around to experience this? Don't you want to be a part of this? Am I working it up too big for what God actually has planned? No. Am I exaggerating and making it too big? (laughs) I'm barely scratching the bottom. (laughs) How will we tap into it? Ephesians 3, are you there? How do we tap into it? According to what? To the power that's working in us. Did you find Romans or not? Or did I tell you? Romans 15. I got a couple of verses. Can you take them before we go tonight? Romans 15. What power working in you? What power? We saw earlier he was talking about the hope of his calling. And the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Seeding greatness of his power. That he wrought in Christ when he he raised him from the dead. All this goes together. We know it's the power of God. But let's be more specific. In Romans 15 we know it's the power of the Holy Ghost. But notice Romans 15 and 13. 15, 13. Now the God of hope. Is he the God of hope? Well he wouldn't be the God of something insignificant. Something that you need to replace with faith. See, there's been misunderstanding about this. What is hope? Confident expectation. He is the God of confident expectation. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. What's this power that works in you? It covers many things. But I know it includes this. It is the power of the Holy Ghost that causes you to abound in hope. Your faith has to be hooked to a vision. And the vision the Lord has for us 
is exceeding abundantly above what we've been able to grasp with our minds. But even though we haven't been able to fully embrace it with our mind, you can embrace it by faith. Somebody with me tonight. You can embrace it by faith with your spirit and go ahead by faith and get excited. Hallelujah. Read it again. The God of hope. Fill you. With all what? Joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. What power working in you? The power of the Holy Ghost causing you to abound in hope, in expectation. Believing that God's better than you've been able to conceive. Believing that His plan for you is far better than you've been able to understand. But even though you don't see it all and comprehend it all with your mind, you can believe it. I said you can believe it. Come on, He took His man, He took His friend outside and said, look up in the sky. Look up in the sky. Why would He tell him that? Why? Why? Does he need something working inside this man to hook up with what he wants to bring to pass? So he's got to give him something that he can begin to lay hold. And he said, can you count all these stars? Well, could he comprehend with his mind? He couldn't. But it was enough of a catalyst. He could put his spirit on it. He could put his spirit on it. He could lay hold of it with his spirit and say, I don't understand it. And I sure can't count that high. I don't know how in the world you could ever do it. But I believe it. I believe it. Now let me ask you another question. Do you think he's standing out there looking up in the sky, hearing the voice of God, do you think he was depressed now or excited? I assure you, this man come back to the tent and woke everybody up. Did you hear me? He comes back. Oh, he's got to tell Sarah. Oh, he's got to tell everybody. God, I heard from the Lord. I've heard from the Lord. He had me look up in the sky. He said, he's going to give me that many kids. He's going to give us that many children. They said, what? How many? I don't know how many, but I believe it. How in the world, Abram? How in the world? I don't know how. I don't have to know how. I believe it. And I'm excited. I'm so excited. You show me a person of faith, I'll show you a happy person. I'll, even though they got all kind of problems that they're dealing with, they don't let that pull them down. They say it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Even though they're pitching on a ship in a hurricane. They go ahead and be a good cheer right now. Anyhow, go to First Peter. Let's close with this. Where do we go from here? Tomorrow night, next night, where do we go? Up! 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 Tell me about the plan of God for your life. Tell me. Tell me about your future. Help me out. I'm not talking about my future. I'm not talking about somebody else. You know, your, your future. What about your future? You. You. Are your best days behind you now? Huh? That's too weak. But that's all right. Come back tomorrow night. We'll give you another dose. I believe this is going to gel in you tonight. You may just wake up out of a sound sleep going, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. And that'll be one of the best things that could happen to you. 
Why? Because you are excited about tomorrow and the next day and the next. Because the plan of God is so wonderful. Yeah, but. Stop it right there. The devil's a liar. Period. 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 Yeah, but what about? The devil's a liar. God's true. Let God be true and every man a liar. It says something different. He said, I know the plans I've been thinking about you. (laughs) Good plans. To give you what you've been hoping for. To bring to pass in your life what's been working in you. That amazing, exciting expectation that your heads, your head goes, what, what, what are we so excited about? You say, shut up, you'll find out. <laughs> by the power, abounding in hope, by the power of the Holy Ghost. In uh, 1 Peter 1 and 7, well, verse 6, wherein he said, you greatly, what? You greatly? Rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. Can you greatly rejoice even when heaviness has been coming on you? And you've been tempted with a lot of temptation? Can you still shout your way through it? Can you shout glory to God anyhow with tears in your eyes? Can you do it? Can you by faith? You don't have to feel like you're rejoicing. You can rejoice by faith. Why? Because I know this is not the plan of God for me. And I'm coming out of this. And I'm coming through this. God's bigger than all this. He's bigger than my sins and my failures. He's bigger than my mistakes. And I believe Him. And I'm looking to Him. And He told me to believe this and it would happen. And so I'm believing Him. And so it's going to happen. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold. Man, this faith is precious stuff we're talking about here. Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now get this. Whom having not seen. You love. In whom. Though now you see him not. Yet. Believing. What do you do? Rejoice. Believing. What do you do? Rejoice. You rejoice. And I don't mean a little half hearted wimpy. Praise the Lord. You rejoice. With joy. Unspeakable. And full of glory. How do you do that? Stand on your feet everybody. Oh glory to God. Glory to God. How do you do that? Joy unspeakable. You don't know how to say it. But you believe it anyhow. You just embrace it in your heart. Everybody lift up your hands. Begin to say glory to God. Oh begin to tell the Lord that you believe him. You believe in his plan for your life. You believe. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.